Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord God, that you'd never let go of us. You hold us in the palm of your hand. Your word says we are inscribed upon the palm of your hands. You showed us that at Calvary. Thank you for your great love. Thank you, Lord, for all the work that you're doing in and through our body. And God, we love you and we praise you. And Lord, as we get into your word, let the worship continue as we learn from what your word says. In Jesus' name we pray, Father. Amen. Amen. You may have a seat. Turning your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, looking at an amazing subject this morning, spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts. So what I want to do is um, I want to read the passage, and then we'll dive into the teaching. So turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're only looking at 10 verses this morning because there's so much here, and I want to take my time. So you there? 1 Corinthians chapter 12? Let's look at verses uh, 1 through 10. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware. You know that when you were pagan, you were led astray to the mute idols, however you were led. Therefore I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are a variety of ministries and the same Lord. There are a variety of effects, but the same God who works all things and all persons. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, and to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, and to another the effecting of miracles, and to another prophecy, and to another the distinguishing of spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. So this morning, we come to a passage that the meat of the subject is the, is the uh, gifts of the Spirit. It's the gifts of the Spirit. It's the gifts that the Holy Spirit has placed within the body to build the kingdom. Now, there are many well-meaning churches out there that they're trying to come up with new ways to grow the kingdom. They're trying to come up with new ways to build the kingdom. They're, they're pulling out all stops, doing different types of things. Well-meaning, as far as I know, just trying to build the kingdom. But God has already given us gifts. He's already given us the gifts by the Holy Spirit to build his kingdom, to build, to build the body of Christ. And there is a temptation in our culture today within the church to go with the latest fad, to go with the latest fad. What's cool? What's hip? What's relevant? What, what will cause the most people? What will get the most noses in the door? And what will minister to the body. But we got to remember, everything has to be founded on the Word of God. The Holy Spirit. Guys, we have, we have the Holy Spirit who upholds, who upholds the church. Question for you. Think about this for a minute. Who sustains the church? Who, who sustains the church? Jesus does. But He's at the right hand of the Father. He has sent His Holy Spirit to sustain us. The Holy Spirit is the one that is with us, that is in us. The Holy Spirit, who many, 
many times we neglect in church, we don't talk enough about, we don't teach about enough, he is the conduit from heaven into our hearts and, and to build the kingdom here on earth. The best thing the church can do today, the best thing Calvary Chapel Irmo can do, all churches can do, is two things. Be, two things to build the kingdom. In God's word and being led by the Holy Spirit. We hear that cliche all the time, but it's so, so important that we be yielded to his Holy Spirit. That we say, Lord Jesus, you guide me. Holy Spirit, you guide me. You lead me in this life. Give me your gifts. Let me walk in your power. Let me live according to your word. That is a powerful church. That is a believer who's going places and doing things for the kingdom. Amen? Amen. We come to the subject, the, 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 uh, the gifts of the Spirit. And that word gift in the Greek is charisma, from whence we get the word charismatic. Now, before we go any further, I, I got to do a little deconstruction in your minds, okay? Bring up this photo right here. This is not the gifts of the Spirit. This is not the gifts of the Spirit, okay? Uh, top left, there was a claim of, of stardust and chicken feathers falling from the ceiling. Uh, people waving their coats and people falling out. Um, people convulsing uncontrollably on the floor. Uh, bottom right-hand corner, by, guy by the name of John Crowder came out many years ago, and he, 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 calls, it, he calls it token the ghost, smoking, smoking baby Jesus. Yeah. And he was a part of this hyper, hyper Pentecostal movement uh, he called it smoking baby Jesus, smoking the Bible. And as they get into their Bible, they just all start falling out and acting like they're drunk on alcohol on their services. And it's, it's images like this that make Christians say, I don't want nothing to do with that. <laughs> it scars our minds. It scars our minds. So there, there's no stardust falling when the gifts operate. There, there's nobody doing the funky chicken. Um, and this is why many people, this is why many people will steer away when people start talking about the gifts of the Spirit. They're like, I ain't having nothing to do with that. I'm staying away from that because their minds have been scarred by those images. I got saved in the Pentecostal church. I, I love the Pentecostal church. Um, got saved in 1992, part of the Pentecostal church. I was in the Pentecostal church from 92 to 99. Wonderful, godly people that love the Lord. There's many of them that are right on track with the gifts of the Spirit and operation. But in 1999, me and Irene left. We, we left the church because we saw too much crazy stuff going on. I said, I can't handle this. My head's about to blow up. And we left. And I swung the pendulum. 1999, I, I, we, we left the Pentecostal church and I'm listening to John MacArthur <laughs> And, and other solid Bible teachers that I love. I, I love him. He's a wonderful, godly preacher. But I, I kind of left it because my mind got scarred by the things I saw in the late 90s. You know, but we can't let... Our, our, the principle here is we got to let the Word of God um, be our guide when it comes to the gifts of the Spirit. We can't let what we see on videos or TV or in some church service, we can't let that dictate to what we believe about the gifts of the Spirit. It has to be the Word of God, sola scriptura. Amen? 
So we have to look to the word. So let's, let's dive into it. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 through 10. Let's look at some principles on, on the gifts of the Spirit. We're going to talk about each one and see what they are. Chapter 12, verse 1. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware. So here, in the, in the original language, if you look at your, the word gifts, it's, it's italics. It's because Paul is saying, now concerning the spirituals. They added the word gifts there because what's following next? The gifts. And the first thing he says here, he says, the, the NASB says, I do not want you to be unaware. The Greek is agneo. It means uninformed. It means ignorant. It, it, it means, he's saying, don't be uninformed. Don't be ignorant on the gifts. Don't be unaware and don't ignore the gifts of the Spirit. So the first principle that we see in this very first verse is this. We, we don't want to be uninformed. We don't want to be ignorant. We don't want to be unaware of the gifts. The gifts, when Jesus ascended on high, via the Holy Spirit, he sent gifts to operate within the body. But what happens is, within Christianity, there's a pendulum. There's a far-left pendulum. And that's the people swinging from the chandeliers and doing backflips off the pews and flopping like a fish out of water. And that's crazy. And then you swing the pendulum the other way, and there's no talk of the gifts. There's no teaching on the gifts. The gifts ended, and there's no talk. There's no talk of the gifts of the Spirit operating when the Word of God says there are gifts. So we have to be balanced. We have to be balanced. We have to be biblical, and we have to be led by the Spirit when it comes to the gifts operating in the church. So we have to watch, be mindful of the pendulum and be balanced and biblical. Verse 2. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to the mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord, except by who? The Holy Spirit. The second principle here I see in verse 2 and 3 is this. When the, when, when the gifts of the Spirit are in operation, what do they do? They exalt Jesus Christ. They point to Jesus. They're not meant to point to ourselves. They're not meant to say, hey, look at us. The gifts of the Spirit, the offices and the manifestations are meant to point people to Jesus. They're meant to point people to the Son of God. All gifts should be judged on how they present Jesus. Listen, look what Jesus said in John 15, 26. Talking about the Holy Spirit. This is the, the, the evening of the Last Supper. The night before he was, the night he was going to be betrayed, he says this, When the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, that is the Spirit of truth who proceeds from me, the Father, he will what? The Holy Spirit will testify to Jesus. It will exalt Jesus. That's what he does. The operation of the gifts exalt Jesus. In all gifts. If a person gets healed, let's say, Someone gets supernaturally healed from a sickness. What is the purpose of that healing? Is the purpose of that healing so that they can go live a long life or to point them to Christ? It's to point them to Christ. So even when something supernatural happens, a healing takes place. It's, God doesn't reach down and heal someone 
so that they can go live out the rest of their life. God reaches down and he heals someone supernaturally to say, I am the great physician. I am the healer. And look to me and be healed. Look to me and be saved. Even the gift of healing is meant to point people to Christ. It's never meant to put the spotlight on us or the church or people. It's meant to put the spotlight on him. So when the gifts operate, they're meant to exalt Jesus Christ and lift him up. They're meant for tools to bring all of you guys into a closer relationship with him. Amen? All right, let's look at uh, verse 4. Verse 4 is very good. I, I love verse, let's look at actually verses 4 through 6. Now there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are a variety of ministries in the same Lord. There are a variety of effects, but the same God who works all things in all persons. Now there's so much here, there's so much here in these, these three verses, but first let's look at the Trinity. Verse 4, now there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. Verse 5, there are a variety of ministries, but the same Lord, Jesus Christ. Verse 6, there are a variety of effects, but the same God who works all things in all persons. Okay? And notice this phrase, variety of gifts, variety of effects. I'm sorry, variety of gifts, variety of ministries, and a variety of effects. I want to give you a picture in your mind so you can see what the gifts that God has given us through his Holy Spirit to the church. So let's look at this chart. Okay. Everything that comes from the Holy Spirit is a gift, okay? Whatever ministry, whatever calling, it comes from the Holy Spirit. And everything is a gift. And then you can divide the gifts into two categories. The category on the left, ministries. Found, you can read it yourself, but Romans chapter 12, verses 6 through 8. Prophecy, serving, teaching, exhortation, giving, leadership, mercy. Ephesians 4.11, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. These Gifts on the left are offices. Those are callings. In other words, God called me to be a pastor. And he's called me to be a pastor now. Well, he's not going to change it next week. These are callings within the body of Christ. He gives people gifts to serve, to, to be in leadership, to show mercy. He gives people the, the, the gift of evangelism and pastors and teachers. These, I believe, are permanent. These are, I've called you to do this in your life, and this is what you're called to do, okay? That's on the left. Those are offices, callings. Now, on the left, if you look at verse, um, verse 6, it says, there are a variety of effects. And we're going to see in the passage in a little bit that the Apostle Paul is going to call these manifestations. That's these things on the right. These, I do not believe, are permanent um, callings on someone. In other words, Brandon is not given the gift of healing and he can go around the rest of his life laying hands on people and heal, 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 heal. heal. These are manifestations given at a, a specific point for a specific ministry. Word of knowledge, word of wisdom, prophecy, faith, healing, miracles, healing. Uh, I listed it twice. Discernment, uh, tongues, interpretation of tongues. We're going to see in the very next verse that we study that the Apostle Paul calls these manifestations. Manifestations. So I just want you to see that so that when you hear about gifts, you know that there are offices 
and that there are manifestations, or what the Scripture calls effects. Okay, so look at verse 7. Verse 7 now, the Apostle Paul is going to steer toward the effects, toward the manifestations. Look at verse 7. But to each one is given, there it is, the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. And this is going to bring me to my third principle. It's this, that the, the manifestation, the gifts of the Spirit, are here to build the kingdom. They're here, they're here to build the kingdom. They're not for self. They're not for pleasure. They're not a toy we play with. They're not like, ooh, look at me, see what I can do. That's not how God operates. They're meant to build the kingdom. Their purpose, it says in verse 7, but each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for what? The common good is what your Bible says. That means it is given to build up the body, to minister to the body of Christ, to bring us together in unity. Chuck Smith says this concerning the gifts of the Spirit in his book called Living Waters. He says, the overarching principle concerning the gifts of the Spirit is this, the true gifts of the Holy Spirit when manifested. Here it is. This is so important. In a scriptural and correct way, will always focus people's hearts on Jesus Christ. That's what the gifts are for. All those gifts, the offices, the manifestations, the effects, pastor, teachers, leaders, people showing mercy, all everything is meant to build up the body of Christ. Now, some people would say that the some people would say that the gifts of the Spirit ended with the apostolic age. They ended after the close of the canon of Scripture. So turn, turn with me over one chapter. Turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 8. Let's look at this passage real quick. Remember, the Word of God is our guide. Turn over one chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, look at verse 8. And this is, this is where people will say that people will build their theology around that the gifts have ended. Look at verse 8. Love never fails, but if there are gifts of prophecy, they will be done away. If there are tongues, what does it say? They will cease. If there's knowledge, it will be done away with. So what's it saying? It's saying right here in the text, these gifts are going to end. That's what it says right there. But the big question is, when will they end? When will they come to a close? Let's continue reading. See what the word says. Verse 9. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will be done away with. The big question here is, what is he talking about when he says when the perfect comes? People talk about, I've heard all, I've heard all kinds of things. I've heard the rapture of the church, the, the, the closing of the canon of Scripture, uh, many different interpretations of what this means. Um, what does it mean by when the perfect comes? What, what, what is that? What's, he, what's, what's the Apostle Paul, what's he, what's he meaning in this text? Let's look at verse 11 and 12. I think it answers it. When I was a child, I used to speak like a child, think like a child, reason like a child. When I became a man, I did away with childish things. The most common, two of the most common views, one is the gifts still operate. The other one is that the perfection is the canon of Scripture. That is the two most dominant 
um, positions on this text. But look at verse 12. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I will fully, I will know fully just as I also have been fully known. There's nothing in this, these two verses right here that's referring to the closing of the canon of Scripture. What I believe the Apostle Paul is seeing here is when we reach the eternal state, when things have come to a completion, then the gifts will end. One of my favorite Bible teachers, I listen to him on a weekly basis. I, I, I get at least one or two sermons in from this man a week, John MacArthur. And John MacArthur is, uh, he is very, the gifts have, have ended. He, he, his church believed the gifts have ended, it ended at the apostolic age. But I went and looked to see what John MacArthur said in this passage. And he said, you know, you can't use this verse to say the canon of Scripture because it's not talking about the Scripture. It's talking about the, the um, but now we see in a mirror dimly, but then we will see face to face when we reach perfection, when we reach heaven, and there's no longer this need for communication with heaven because we're going to be in the presence of God. We're going to stand face to face with the Lord God Almighty. Now, this is a controversial passage. And I've seen a lot of believers divide over this. Let me give you a word of wisdom this morning. Don't divide over it. There's, there's, there's two interpretations. I've seen Christians clash over the gifts of the Spirit. You know, I, I firmly hold and agree sola scriptura. The Word of God is final. Nothing goes above this Word. Everything is judged by the Word of God. But we can't divide over issues in Scripture where there's multiple interpretations. And, and both of them are within Orthodox Christianity. So we don't divide over it. We don't, we don't let it split us. The, I'm just saying Baptist. I, I went to a Baptist university, got my master's from Baptist university. I love the Baptist doctrine. I love Baptist theology. But they're, they're, they're typical ones who, who, who believe the gifts ended. But my Baptist, the, my Baptist brothers and my Assemblies of God brothers, they need to hold hands. They need to hold hands and unite under the lordship of Jesus Christ. When we get to heaven, they'll work it out. One of them is going to be saying, see, I told you. But, but still, man, as a Calvary Chapel pastor, I, I'm, 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 I'm looking to what the word says. I'm looking to what the word of God says. In, in, in the word of God, I see no evidence of, these, of the gifts ending. What I do see in the world is abuse. But what we've got to do is we've got to be biblical and let the Lord lead us as he, as he shows us and guides us and directs us in these things. So let's continue with, uh, where was I at? Verse 8. Verse 8. So, I, so to answer your question, I do not believe they ended the apostolic age. I'm going to give you some testimonies in a minute of things I've seen just shook me to the core. I was like, whoa, wow, to see God at work in the world. And I'm going to share them in just a minute when I get to that, to that gift. All right, so let's look at the gifts. Let's have some clarity and understanding of, of what the gifts of the Spirit are. Verse 8, the first one. 
For one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. The word of wisdom. First off, it's not a word that comes from our mind or comes from our heart. It's a supernatural word that comes from God that's given to solve a difficult situation. There's something going on. You're facing a challenging situation. What do you do? You call some godly believers around you. You present the issue and you say, Lord, please speak. Speak to one of these men. And then all of a sudden, one of the men speak up and say, hey, why don't we do this? And everybody looks at that guy and says, that's a great idea. (laughs) Wow. Where did that come from? You know, I believe the gifts operate very naturally and flowing through the body of Christ. But it's when a word of, word of wisdom is given when there's a difficult situation and we need an answer and we seek godly counsel, men or women, and someone comes in and steps in and you're like, wow, that's a great word. It's a word of wisdom. The next one, to another, the word of knowledge according to the same spirit. Again, a supernatural word, except with a word of knowledge, there is no source for the information. There's no source of the information. Someone is given information that they couldn't have found out any other way, and they deliver it to that person. 1992, 1993, I was in Virginia Beach. I just got saved, been a believer for about a year. I was struggling with this really, really bad sin. There was this sin that was just wreaking havoc in my life for like eight or nine months. And I just started going to, I'd been going to a church. I didn't tell nobody about my struggle. I didn't tell nobody about my sin. I kept it my secret. Because when I went to church, I'm super spiritual. I'm super Dave. And, And I'm like, I'm on top of it. And I'm a, Bible reading, Bible believing, everything's right in my life, Christian. But it wasn't so on the inside. I was wrestling with this sin, and this sin was so great in my life that I was losing sleep at night. I was losing sleep. I couldn't sleep at night. This thing plagued me. And I was fighting it, and I couldn't get through with it. I couldn't, I couldn't break through. And I kept going on and on and on. And I was still going to church, and I was even coming to a point where I was like, I don't know if I'm going to make it through this. I don't know if I'm going to make it through this. I was hanging out with uh, Chris and Joe, and then uh, Chris comes to me, one of my friends, and says, you know, I've been accepted to this college in Belgium. And so he leaves and goes overseas to Belgium. And then um, a couple months later, um, I got off the ship. I was in the Navy, Norfolk, Virginia. And I went over to Joseph's house. And Joseph's like, David, I just got a postcard from Chris. And I opened up the postcard, and it said, David, I just had a flash. And he nailed what I was struggling with down to a T. He said, ignore the voices. Trust in the word of God. He nailed exactly what I was going through. And I remember I was standing outside in Virginia Beach, and I looked up at the heavens, up at the blue sky and the cloud, And I was like, El Shaddai, Lord God Almighty. This word of knowledge that he gave Chris, 
Chris put it on a postcard, sent it to me, and it nailed exactly what I was going through. And this wasn't some vague reference. This was a specific struggle and a specific sin. And I was like, whoa, that is awesome. Blew me out of the water. So that's the word of knowledge. A word of knowledge is where God, the Holy Spirit, tells someone something that they, there's no other way they could have known, and that person goes to another believer and, and shares that word of knowledge with them. Look at verse 9. Um, to another faith by the same Spirit. Now, this is not saving faith here in verse 9. This is not saving faith. I, 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 I have, the way I see Scripture, I see faith in three levels. There's faith to be saved. That's where you trust in Christ. You trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's called salvation faith, where you're trusting in him. Then there's a, a faith where you believe the promises of God as you grow, and you start to trust in the promises of God, and you apply those to your life. But then there's a third faith. It's an extraordinary faith. Turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8. And we are going to see a, a supernatural faith in Scripture. Luke chapter 8, verse 43 through 48. Many of you know this passage. The woman is, is bleeding. She's been hemorrhaging for, for 12 years. Let's read the passage. Luke chapter 8, verse 43. And a woman who had a hemorrhage for 12 years could not be healed by anyone came up behind him, Jesus, and touched the fringe of his cloak. And immediately her hemorrhage stopped. And Jesus said, Who is the one who touched me? And while they were all denying it, Peter said, Master, the people are, are crowding and pressing in on you. But Jesus said, Someone did touch me, for I was aware that power has gone out of me. Verse 47, When the woman saw that she had not escaped notice, she came trembling and fell down before him and declared in the presence of all the people the reason why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. And he said to her, what is he, look at what he says to her. Daughter, your faith. Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. This faith that this lady had was given to her supernaturally, to press through those people, thinking to herself, if I can only touch the hem of his garment. This is a supernatural faith. This is a, a, a determined faith. This is a faith that's, that's firm, it's locked in, and it's a faith that says, I know what I got to do. I know what I got to do to get there. This is a supernatural. Again, verse 48 it, it, the, the, Jesus makes the point of it's her faith. And he said to her in verse 48, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. There, there's, there's faith to trust in Christ. There's faith to trust and apply the promises of God. And then we see here where there's a supernatural faith. And I believe that that is this extraordinary faith that, that Paul is making reference to. In verse 9, continuing on in verse 9, let's look at the next gift. And to another, the gifts of healing by the one spirit. I want to point out something real quick. Do you notice what's tacked on to the end of all these gifts? 
Verse 8, the word of wisdom through the Spirit. The word of knowledge according to the same Spirit. Verse 9, faith by the same Spirit. Gifts of healing by the one Spirit. Do you see the thread? It's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit doing His work. Um, so the next one here is, and to another, the gifts of healing. The gifts of healing by one Spirit. You know, God can heal broken, sick bodies. People say how they, they struggle with this healing. Look at the universe. Look at how complex the universe is. He is God Almighty. He can change cells. He can fix bones. Because He is the Lord and he owns, he owns it all. Now here's the thing though. When it comes to the gifts of the Spirit, I'll say this and I'll say this again. I said this before and I'll say this again. I believe the gifts of the Spirit flow naturally. I believe, I believe they, they flow naturally. I do, I do not believe there's no buzz. I do, I do not believe there's this warm sensation that comes over our forehead and starts working its way down. There's no shaking. There, there's no flopping like a fish out of water on the floor. But the gifts operate. They, I, I believe the gifts operate. Verse 10. And to another, the effecting of miracles. God rules the universe. God rules the universe. He made, God created, and put in motion the natural laws. Everything from this block of dirt orbiting the sun to our heartbeats, he created all the natural laws. If he creates all the natural laws, he can override them. He, he, can, he can override them. And there's a natural tendency, we've got to be careful, there's a natural tendency to see something supernaturally happen and try to explain it away. But we've got to remember, who rules the universe? Who, who, who is the king on the throne? Jesus, the Lord God Almighty. As I said earlier, El Shaddai, El Shaddai. So the, the, next, the miracle we see there is the, is the affecting of, of miracles. The next one, and to another prophecy, to another prophecy. Prophecy has two meanings in the Bible. Uh, one is speaking forth the future events, which I don't, I don't hold to that being done today because I think everything we need to know about the future is contained in the Word of God. But what I do believe about prophecy is this. It's speaking forth God's Word. It's speaking forth God's Word in situations where something's going on and the Holy Spirit says, you need to share this Word with these people. That's what I believe that, that prophecy is. I've been serving the Lord for 20 years. I've only, I, I, I can count on one hand, maybe a hand and a half, where I've seen things that were actually like, wow, that was supernatural. Okay? It was like, but we were at the, um, at the Pastor of Leaders Conference um, back two or three months ago, and it was, a, it was an evening, they was having worship, and they was having prayer, and they was having praise. And um, I'm just sitting there, it was, I was sitting there singing a song, and we're worshiping the Lord. And then all of a sudden, it was like before my mind and heart, it was Zechariah 4.6. Like, so I continued singing the song, and I just felt the Lord pressing upon my heart, Zechariah 4.6. So I was like, let me grab my Bible. I picked up my Bible. Looked at Zechariah 4 6. 
And it said, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Now, at the pastor's conference, I, I'm, I'm keeping it low key. I'm just there to learn. I'm just there to sit and soak in all the teaching. But the Lord led me, and it was so overwhelming and so compelling to share that with the pastors at this night of worship. And I did. To remind them that gentlemen, pastors, leaders, it's not by might nor by our power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord. We have to let the Holy Spirit do His work. Now, I don't claim to have the gift of prophecy because I don't believe it can be carried in a permanent basis, but I believe throughout the life of the church, the Holy Spirit will place things. He'll place something on Amber's heart and give Amber an overwhelming burden to go and share it with Barbara. There's no warm fuzzies. There's no shaking. There's no sensation. It's just in her heart that the Lord is telling her, please go share this with Barbara. Go share this. I believe that's how the Lord operates. Amen? So, let's continue. So to another prophecy, speaking forth the word of God. Sola Scriptura. Okay? Sola Scriptura. You know, the day and age we're living in, if you're watching all the news, there's some crazy stuff being said. We have everything we need in this book right here. Everything we, we, everything we need to know about the past, the present, and the future is contained between Genesis and Revelation. Amen? So important. So important. People can go way off in left field when people start talking about prophecy. But everything can, we need is right there. The, uh, the next one. And to another, the distinguishing of spirits. Discernment. Distinguishing between true and false. I, I was uh, watching a revival service on TV one time in my room. And this guy was running back up and forth on the stage. And this gentleman came up on stage with, with stage four cancer. And the revivalist told him that the Holy Spirit, I don't believe it at all, but the revivalist said that the Holy Spirit told him to go knee him in the stomach. So this crazy wacko goes and knees him in the stomach and he falls to the floor. And then he has the nerve to say, the Holy Spirit told him so. Man, my discernment beacons went whoop, whoop, whoop. This is crazy. This is false teaching. This is horrible teaching. That is not the Holy Spirit. And in that moment, my, my, my discernment was like, that is not of God. That is not biblical. And in my spirit, as, as, I, as I watched this guy, because he was on TV quite a bit, um, as, I, as I watched the, the ministry unfold through the months, I had, a, I had this really bad check in my spirit. I was like, he is not, he is not uh, a revivalist. He, he's not a, a teacher. He, he is not, he is not, serving the Lord like he should. And I had bad vibes. And I know we had some friends here in Lexington that were running down and going to his performances. Because that's what they were to me. They were performances. And it was hideous what was taking place. And I had a, like I said, I had a bad check in my spirit. I told Irene, I said, 
he is not he is not in the spirit that is not working about a year later about a year 18 months later i found out that that what you call revivalist he 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 left his wife and three children for the young stage hand that was working this that was working the uh, stage his fruits manifested and i was like so when god gives you a check in your spirit about something examine it closely examine it closely be discerning be discerning we judge everything we see by what the word of god what did the bereans do when paul went to preach there this is the apostle paul this is the one that saw jesus on the damascus road but what did they do? It says the Bereans diligently studied the scripture to make sure what Paul was saying was correct. We examine everything by the word of God. And when you have a check in your spirit, like, oh, that don't sound right. Pay very close attention. Pay very close attention. The uh, final passage here, to close out verse 10, it says to another, various kinds of tongues and to another, the interpretation of tongues. Again, very controversial passage. Many different strong beliefs on the gifts of tongues. Okay, you can turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 2, verse 4 through 6, or I'll just read it to you. And the worship team can begin making their way back up. Um, talking about tongues, the subject of tongues. Acts chapter 2, verses 4 through 6. This is one passage on tongues. It says, And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. Now there were Jews living in Jerusalem, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the crowd came together and were bewildered because each one of them was hearing them speak in his own language. So what kind of tongue is this? This is a known language. This is a known language. This is where there's a gift of tongues given, but it's, it's meant to be in a different language because the text says that the people in the surroundings, they heard what he was saying in their own tongue. Okay? So there, there's, there, there's one view of tongues that believes, no, well, speaking in tongues is just speaking in a different language supernaturally by the Holy Spirit. It's like me going to another, another country that I don't know the language, and God supernaturally gives me that language. That is one view. That is one view of tongues. Now, go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Let's look at verse 2, two through 4. You're going to see a different angle here of what, what the Scripture says about tongues. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verses 2 through 4. This is the other view of tongues than that view. Uh, verses 2 through 4 it says this for one who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God for no one understands but in his spirit he speaks mysteries but one who prophesies speaks to men for edification and exhortation and consolation one who speaks in a tongue edifies himself but one who prophesies edifies the church what I believe you have in the word of God here is you got two different things going on here. You got two different things going on here. And 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 Acts chapter two, they're speaking in a known language, and people will say that tongues 
is meant for people out there. And that is true if you're looking at Acts chapter 2. But if you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 14, who is the tongues between? For one who speaks in tongues does not speak to men. So this ain't the same as Acts chapter 2. He does not speak to men, but he speaks to God. For no one understands, but his spirit speaks mysteries. And then uh, down in verse 4, one who speaks in tongues edifies himself. So to come to grips with what the Word of God says and let the Word of God be our guide, I see two, two views of tongues. What's your position on tongues? How do you feel about that? What, do, what are your beliefs? Whatever they are, make sure they're founded on the Word of God. So, so the, the, the question is, the question we could ask, legitimately ask, is when we look at the subject of tongues is this, which one is it? Which one is it? Is it the speaking in another language to benefit these people and sharing the gospel? Or is it a prayer language? Is it a prayer language? Because it's not, the second one in 1 Corinthians chapter 40 is not to be done in the assembly. It's not to be done in the assembly. It's to be done, done. It's to, it's to be operated, it's to be used in your prayer closet. It's to be used in your prayer closet. Which one is it? I think the answer is found in verse 10. Look at verse 10. I, this, this gripped me at midnight last night. This gripped me at midnight last night. Yes, so I got up in the middle of the night. I know. This gripped me in the middle, this gripped me at midnight last night as I was laying down. And it happens all the time. I'll pop up out of bed and I'll go work on it. But look at verse 10. It says, to another various kinds of tongues. To another various kinds of tongues. Both of them are legitimate according to God's word. Acts chapter 2, we see tongues spoken in a different language for a people group. And then in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verses 2 through 4, which I, I, I'm going to say about two weeks from now, we're going to dig into 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verses 2 through 4, and I'll go deeper into what the Bible teaches on tongues. But we see it in 2 through 4, we see it as a prayer language. So I, I, I believe both views hold weight. Both views hold weight. So guys, the gifts, again, by the same Spirit, by one Spirit, we don't conjure them up. We don't, we don't do the head massage and squeeze and massage and, and hold down until something happens. It doesn't happen by our own efforts. It doesn't happen by, it's not something that we can create or conjure up. It's something that the Holy Spirit does and gives to us. Amen? Let's pray.